Hey, we get it. You don't want to be hearing a progressive commercial right now. So let us tell you something you do want to hear. No one is funnier than you. People laugh just thinking about the things you've said. <laughs> I'm laughing at one of them right now. Coworkers repeat your jokes at the office, but they're never as good as when you tell them and shame on them for trying. There. Don't you feel better? You'll also feel better knowing you could save when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. <laughs> Although I'm sure you'd have a funnier way to say that. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Welcome back, folks, to Pits the Podium. It is finally time for yet another video previewing the Italian Grand Prix. It is myself, Samuel Aurora, here with Kunal Shah, as always. And before we start out with anything regarding the Grand Prix, firstly, Kunal, congratulations. You're a father for the first time. Thanks, Samuel. It's, <laughs> it's like making my debut on the weekend of uh, the, the Belgian Grand Prix at Spa. It feels awesome. I think I've done a fair amount of pit stops already and... In a couple of days' time, maybe by Mushello, I, I should have, you know, I should be doing record pit stop uh, timings myself. <laughs> there's going to be a lot more. There's, there's definitely going to be a lot more. But of course, very special time in your life. Once again, congrats on that. And Thanks also, very much. And also on Pitch the Podium, folks, you have to subscribe. Why should you not? We've got so much incredible content coming your way. We had William Panisi, the chief, uh, chief I think, uh, communications a, officer. Yeah, of Alfa Romeo, yeah. Uh, Mark Sutton, the legendary Formula One photographer. We've got Alex Lynn. We've got Michael Italiano, Daniel Ricciardo's fitness trainer. And most recently, the amazing Circus F1 comic. He is an absolute gem of an artist. So all that stuff is available on the top right-hand corner. where You can check out our playlist right there. But let's get back to the Belgian, not the, not the Belgian GP, the Italian GP, in fact, because this is Ferrari's 999th Grand Prix and also Williams's first not that rather second under new ownership, but the first without the Williams team managing everything. It's going to be a crazy weekend, isn't it? It is. And, you know, it's, uh, it's Monza, very historic. Ferrari, historic numbers. Another historic number that stayed with me through the, race is, uh, through the season is that Sebastian Vettel has actually had very few laps in the top 10 itself, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, waits to see if Ferrari will continue to be an embarrassment at Monza, <laughs> uh, you know, their home race. Or not, uh, uh, I, I personally get a feeling that, uh, you know, they've, they've realized that the best thing to do is just admit that, guys, we're slow. Mm. It's going to take time and just buy time from the Tifosi. But how can you? How can you buy time when it's your 999th Grand Prix at your home at Monza? Well, you've had so many special memories as a team. I mean, be it back in the pre-war days or post-war or in the 90s or the thousands, you've got so many incredible memories, but... It all just seems to be coming to such an anticlimactic again. And I think that's the first one that we must get down into about Ferrari. What's going to happen? Because critically, Kunal, we saw in Belgium that in the race, their top speeds were higher. Now, this is down to a lot of factors. I mean, largely due to the fact that Leclerc was running a low downforce setup and he got the advantage of DRS in the mid-pack and the other drivers were setting a high downforce setup as well. But what do you expect in Monza where everyone's going to be on a low downforce setup and Ferrari has nowhere to run and hide? You know, they will be on luck again. They'll be hoping that uh, their car is, uh, you know, able to perform like Ross Braun very nicely pointed out that they're struggling to get consistent performances from their tires. 
you know, in the low downforce trim, uh, it's it's even more so about uh, aero efficiency as well as braking efficiencies, as we know, because these cars are so complex. You know, you change yeah. one little thing and everything else uh, on the car has to sort of, you know, be in synchronous movement with that change. So it will be interesting to see. I think, uh, you know, forget uh, competing uh, at, the, at the top and they, they, you know, they might not even be able to beat Renault for one more race this season. Exactly. It's going to be a very fun thing. Uh, Ferrari versus Renault is primarily going to be the battle in the midfield, but we shall come to that later on. But interestingly enough, Ferrari's second driver, oh, wait, he's supposed to be the first driver, but he's more of a second driver right now. Sebastian Vettel has just uh, purchased the legendary Williams FW14B. And that leads us very well on to the next topic, which is supposed to be Williams, in fact. And this actually, just a correction from the initial statement that I made, this is not going to be the first Williams race without the Williams team managing. It's going to be the last race in the history of the team with the family involved. So what's it going to be like, Kanal? I'm pretty sure it's going to be very emotional. And sadly for them, I don't think Williams has the best of low downforce packages, as we saw last <laughs> week in Spa. You know, it's, it is, again, you know, pretty historic that the Williams surname will no longer be officially associated yeah. with the sport after years of giving us some brilliant performances. But I'm going to just step back, uh, you know, when you said about Fettel buying the, the legendary Williams racing car. You know, maybe the memo was that he goes and buys Williams for himself, but he realized <laughs> that probably just buying one of the historic cars makes more sense than, than yeah. buying the historic team. But uh, it is actually egg on face for Claire Williams because, you know, I sat through media sessions for the Belgian Grand Prix and uh, she was uh, saying very boldly that it's business as usual for now. There is no management change for now. And, you know, when you look back, it was just, you know, three and a half days ago that she made these statements. So uh, not the best way to sort of make, uh, make an announcement about, you know, bringing in a new management but understandably why the new owners would do that because, yeah. you know, they're bringing in the, the capital that the team needs to perform. And, you know, they can't be saying, okay, the management is great. The results are great, but here's the money. Exactly. It's actually the opposite that, okay, the results are not great. So can we first start by changing the management? Because, you know, there are new shareholders and, and in, investors to sort of, uh, uh, you, know, uh, you know, please and uh, prove a point to. Exactly. It's going to be a completely new board of directors now. We've got three new board of directors coming in and shaping up the future of the team. And if you want to know more about why Williams have reached in this scenario, you can click the top right corner of the video where we have our video exactly diving down deeper into this whole matter and analyzing why Williams have reached this stage. And also, we have discussed what changes could have been made. And that was around three, four months ago. So it still pretty much holds valid, even though they've got new management. The points remain exactly the same. They needed something big. They needed a big philosophical change. Now, we don't know whether that change is going to come in very soon because, of course, new management takes time to implement their own decisions. But you can bet your bottom dollar on the fact that Williams are going to change for the better or for the worse. That we shall see later on. But yeah, something big is going to happen at that very team. And now from Williams, and, we can actually... Just, just, just to pause you, the, the one Go summarized on. word of Williams that, that the management should change is... Yeah what you and I coined as politically irrelevant. Politically irrelevant. Yeah. And, and that's yeah. the one thing that the new owners would want to go and make sure they are able to change given the history and the backing. Exactly. And, and, you know, the fact that they're one of the first new team owners under the new regulations and the, the budget cap and so on. So let's see how that uh, progresses uh, off track. 
Absolutely. That's a super point that you made right there. That is exactly the reason why Williams has struggled so much. Well, let's hope for the best. They're a team connected to the memories of so many fans. Not me personally, because when I grew up, Williams was still in the midfield, but lots of big memories that this team has created. So let's hope for the very best for Williams. But I think the next thing we can speak about is what's going to happen in the midfield. And the star performer from the midfield the last time out, Canal was Renault, P4 and B5 in the Belgian GP. They were on fire. We've spoken about it in much depth in our debrief video in the race about what really went right. But from the looks of things, they should be at really big advantage this weekend as well because Monza, low downforce, and their low downforce package worked extremely well in Spa. Yes, and you know, you and I were the first ones to call it out in the race preview for Spa. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, Renault have a really well-balanced, uh, you know, low downforce uh, setup that they've used uh, with good success last year at, uh, at Monza itself. And to, you know, to, to, to be able to show the same thing at Spa, again, brilliance. It also shows uh, Formula One that, you know, Daniel Ricciardo may no longer be a front-running team driver. But you give him that one chance and, oh, you know, yes. there's, there's a, I'll, I'll bet my top dollar that he'll take it, you know, <laughs> and, and then even for Esteban Ocon to, to show up that, you know, he's, he's still uh, settled in into a cramped season after a break and, and yeah. so on. So I would definitely bet my money on Renault, you know, entertaining us, uh, you know, yet one more time this weekend. But they're not alone because Racing Point traditionally have been very good in circuits with low downforce. Now, that was historically... Now that they've become essentially the pink Mercedes and the Mercedes car from 2019 was obviously very strong in high downforce situations, we saw them struggle a bit more in the timing charts, at least in the, at least in the speed traps in Spa-Francorchamps. So perhaps, unlike what history would suggest, this may not exactly be the strongest circuit. So this would allow the likes of Renault, Ferrari, not really, perhaps McLaren to go on and bounce on the same thing this weekend. Yeah, you know, uh, I remember one of my strongest memories when I worked at Force India was Adrian Suttel scoring a fourth place. You know, yeah. I don't remember what year, but I know that it was very well celebrated. You know, especially when you're a midfield team and 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 so on. You know, you you have to celebrate these moments. But um, you're right. You know that the team historically have done well, but with the new Mercedes design philosophy that they've taken, maybe they are yet to find a, a setup. Uh, you know, compromise that sort. Helps them perform on low downforce. Uh, sorry, uh, at, at circuits like Spa, where you know you have to have a low as well as a high downforce yeah. uh, compromise. You know, you know, given the characteristics. But you never know. I'm I'm always excited to see what Sergio Perez can come up with because you know he's a, a, another driver like Daniel Ricciardo. You give him half a chance, and you know yeah. he'll 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 convert it into a full chance. But that just makes uh, it's that much more fun for us because you have Renault that's suddenly peaking right now. Uh, and, uh, you know, you, you always believe Racing Point could be there as well. Uh, you know, McLaren are always due a good result. Yeah. And Ferrari are always desperate to show that they are a little better than the midfield class. Right <laughs> now. Exactly. But let's be honest, they're not. It's, it's going to be a tricky next couple of weekends for them because at Monza, their low downforce setup combined with the engine, just maybe not the brightest of signs for Ferrari. And then in Mugello, a circuit where you need all the support in the world from the downforce and they just don't have it. So could be a tough weekend for Ferrari going ahead, but that just uh, brings us on to, let's say, some of their customer teams exactly, because Alfa Romeo or Sauber, whatever you'd like to call them, they have the Ferrari power units. And let's be brutally honest, 
ever since the controversy of the power units stirred about, I mean, Ferrari having that secret agreement or settlement rather with the FIA in February, since then the performance of those power units has dramatically gone down. And Alfa Romeo have had suffered big time because of that. We saw that in we saw that in Austria, we saw that in Silverstone as well. Do you expect more of the same here in Monza, which is literally a circuit with a few straights and a couple of left eye corners here and there? <laughs> you know, I, I, of course, you know, Ferrari have been penalized given the the approach they took with the, the power unit last year and then the settlement they had with uh, the FIA and likes and. Given how we all humans think, it, the, the first thing we want to do is, okay, there you go. They were cheating and, you know, they've reached a compromise. Why not make it public fair? I think that's fair to, you know, think down that road. Uh, but I also don't think that their deficit is only down to the engine performance. It's probably the, the, the for example, the, the loss that they've had on yeah. the engine side. They've not been able to make up that on the chassis side exactly. or the aero side and, and, and so on. So, they've just sort of taken a step back and are, are now needing to take a massive leap forward to go back to being, you know, uh, where Ferrari should be. And, you know, even the likes of Helmut Marco have said that, you know, Ferrari are a myth and, uh, uh, you know, they need to be doing well in, in Formula One. Exactly. They, they need to. This is their primary motorsport marketing campaign. This is where all their money is. And unless... And until, rather, I should say, the budget cap comes in, they're not going to be going anywhere. Not even the WEC, not IndyCar, nothing. So this is where all their stake and reputation lies in. And it's not like if they finish in P30 and their reputation as a brand will die down. But as fans, we, we love to see Ferrari doing well. I mean, as Sebastian Vettel put it very well in 2016, even if you're not a Ferrari fan, you are a Ferrari fan. So <laughs> it's, let's, let's hope that they come back stronger in the next couple of years. But that's for, that's for the future. Let's focus on the here and now. And in the here and now, one driver has been doing extremely well. And he's one certain Frenchman who goes by the name of Pierre Gasly. Could it be a good weekend for him with Alpha Tauri this time out? You know, the one thing I always believe works massively well in the world of sport is momentum. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Pierre Gasly, of course, got uh, reverse momentum last year yeah. uh, when he was demoted just around this time. Uh, but he sort of picked himself back. He had a podium in Brazil, which was, you know, given different conditions that were there at the circuit. But starting 2020, he has had such massive forward momentum that he is making sure Red Bull sit up and take notice and wonder if Pierre could actually do as well in in, in the Red Bull racing car and not just Alpha yeah. Tauri. Because, you know, at this moment, Red Bull are, of course, making a reference to what he did, you know, in the first half of 2019, which yeah. was that he was slow back then. And as we see now, Alexander Albin, poor chap, is also struggling to sort of uh, match pace with Max Verstappen. But Pierre Gasly's momentum is leading him to some brilliant results. And it's making fans realize that, you know, it is a very cutthroat world of Formula One, uh, especially if you're in the Red Bull Junior driver program. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, is, it is not beyond human self to sort of get demoted and still bounce back, yeah. you know, as Pierre Gasly has, has shown us. He's been doing an extremely good job. And for Gasly, it is so refreshing to see his new run of confidence because at the end of his stint with Red Bull, he really looked very dejected. And then the results followed on. So it's a very refreshing thing to see Pierre Gasly doing so well. And now that Pierre... I mean, it's been just a midfield wrap-up so far since the very beginning. So let's focus a bit more on the top because there is still a lot more happening. Thankfully for Valtteri Bottas, it's a longer season now. It's not just 11 rounds. So this gives him... A little more 
op- a, li- a few more opportunities rather to show that okay i can be the man but we saw in spa last week bottas just backing off a bit too much in the early part and perhaps that was a critical factor because as we've discussed so many times the start has become so critical in formula 1 these days so for valtteri bottas there are more opportunities on the line right now but is he there yet do you, do you expect a strong challenge to be mounted by valtteri and what can red bull do i mean traditionally you don't really expect them to do very well because they they're supposed to be the more high down force kind of team and monza just kind of goes away from them you know i i expect that mercedes will up their performance in uh, monza and mugello just because they are ferrari circuits okay <laughs> just because they are uh, uh, you know uh, historic uh, races for ferrari and when i say just because i mean i don't mean only because of that you know what but what i mean is that it's even more so a reason for them to do well uh because let's uh, keep in mind that they are road car rivals and yeah. what better than sort of hammering it you know at their home races okay and uh, with the engine mod uh, ban coming in from this weekend uh let's let's see what impact it would be in in uh, in the qualifying uh, order and frankly the order is not going to change i just yeah. think mercedes might not be as, as much out at the front than you know they've been up until now but i do expect that you know they will have more engine life to play around with uh, in race trim so my my money is of course on mercedes still going and scoring their one two coming to valtteri bottas i think you and i can just we should just record <laughs> that one clip which we replay for every race every trim. race yeah because you know he's got everything he needs and uh, he showed again at the start of the season that he is strong enough but lewis hamilton is just able to go that one gear higher which is so difficult for pretty much most drivers to match he is lewis hamilton for that very reason i mean a normal driver would max out at seven gears lewis hamilton has that extra eighth gear in the bag almost always there's only the greats that can extract that level of a performance and if he wins this weekend he will be one victory shy of Michael Schumacher's 91 Grand Prix record which if he wins at Mugello will be tied at Ferrari's 1000th Grand Prix let that sink in take it yeah. with a big pinch of salt this one uh, it's going to be probably the most symbolic of victories probably in the history of formula 1 about how ferrari has slipped up and how here he is lewis hamilton the man dominating for 6 7 8 odd years and showing why he is probably one of the greatest ever drivers to touch foot on the earth. Yeah, I think it's a brilliant uh, headline even for Mercedes, right? That Mercedes <laughs> yeah. driver Lewis Hamilton equals, you know, Michael Schumacher's race wins of 91 while he was at Ferrari and so on. So great <laughs> great uh, PR uh, story for Mercedes as well. And remember that's one of the main reasons why they're also racing in Formula 1 to show yeah. the world their might. in building some really superior uh, uh, you know uh, uh, superior tech uh, enabled cars. Absolutely. Mamma mia is what the Ferrari fans will say if that happens at Mugello. But finally, Kunal, just to wrap it all off, what are your predictions for Monza? We have discussed the big overview in depth. What do you think is going to be a top three? And who do you think is going to be the standout driver from this weekend? I would still go with Daniel Ricciardo as a standout driver. Okay. And uh, I would hope that he gets that half a chance to get a podium. He gets to go... wheel to wheel with max you know like he for example in spa he backed off he said he didn't want to ruin his race chances yeah. battling max 
but maybe in Monza he has a better chance to actually take the battle to the the Renault, uh, sorry, to the Red Bull racing cars. Yeah. But uh, you never know if we still have a Hamilton, Bottas, Verstappen uh, podium finish, and that might just be another record in you know Formula One by the end of 2021. That exactly. You know, suddenly Hamilton, Verstappen, Bottas uh, have the maximum podium uh, finishes uh, re- registered in the sport. <laughs> exactly. That is going to be fascinating. But all that is to come on this weekend, folks. That is going to be so much fun to watch out for. As always, Kanal, thank you so much for being a part of this video. And if you've reached so far, thank you so very much for watching. It means so much to us. If you like this video, leave it a like. Uh, leave a like, in fact. Leave a comment as well if you like this one. And also share this video with all your friends and family members who are big fans of Formula One. As always, folks, thank you for watching and see you for the post race debrief on Sunday night. Bye-bye. Thanks, Samuel. Bye, guys. One, two, three, four... For everyone's safety, Vermont requires a seven-day home quarantine with a negative COVID-19 test or 14 days with no test to visit this winter. 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, We're also recommending you take the time to do some extra squats, lunges, wall sits, or high knees. 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, With reduced lift and lodge capacity, you're going to have a lot more time to spend on the slopes. So take the time to get your legs ready. Vermont in winter. It's worth the wait. One, two, three. This winter, plan your trip. Don't trip up your plans. Talk to your favorite inn or resort about smart travel suggestions and reservation policies. For full COVID-19 travel guidance, Visit VermontVacation.com. 16, 17.